Blog Talk Radio. I'm going to a city that's set on a hill. Its ruler and maker is the Lord God above. Oh, I'm going to a city and it's set on a hill. And someday I'll be in heaven and there'll be no sorrow there. Oh, I'm going to a city. Hello, everybody. God bless you today. This is Susan Puzio. And I want to welcome you to the Prophetic News radio broadcast on Blog Talk Radio. And we're also heard on Christian Sentinel Radio, which is the network of our sister Jackie Alnor. And we have a YouTube channel, which is under my name, Susan Puzio. And we have our book. Seed faith, can a man bribe God? (laughs) How false teachers manipulate and hypnotize you for offerings. And they do. They just make people act silly, I'm telling you. But it works. It works. And uh, I, I don't understand why people think that they have to buy God off to get his favor when Jesus said, ask and ye shall receive. So I don't care what what any of the TV preachers tell you about. They just finished with the feast days, the Passover, Day of Atonement, uh, Pentecost. Oh, they have so many feasts that they love to celebrate. But they could care less about feast days, to tell you the truth, because it's just another time for them to take in some cash. (laughs) And and they love that money. They love that money. So um, buy or beware, that's what I say. But if any preacher tells you or your pastor tells you that you have to give money to God to get money back, that's not true. It's not true. Because any good father, just like your earthly father, did you have to pay your earthly father off to get him to do things for you? No. No, you never gave your father $5 and said, okay, dad, I need some clothes or I need a car or whatever. Here's $5, so... If I give you this $5, then will you do something for me? Can I get a hundredfold return? No. So why why do people think God's like that, that you have to bribe him and pay him off to do things? It's just ridiculous. So we give money to each other, and that's who we give. We don't give money to God because he doesn't need any money. He never, when he created the universe, he didn't say, I need $1,000 to do my work. He didn't say that. So we give to each other to be a blessing because we love people just like God so loved the world that he gave and how we should act toward each other and we shouldn't look at each other like, uh, well, if I give you $5 or I give you $1,000, then maybe I'm going to get something in return. That's not even Christian. 
It's not even Christianity. It's some kind of a Babylonian system where we have to bribe each other and we only do things for each other because we want something back. So that's not even Christian. So don't pay attention to those false prophets and those false teachers out there. If they can't teach the truth of God's word and they're so worried about funding their ministries, then they need to get out of the ministry and find another job. Because we're not in this to take advantage of God's people. They're being uh, taken advantage of enough where they have to go someplace on a Sunday and they have to pay for their seat, so to speak. And uh, then they're bombarded with this thing and that thing and the pastor appreciation day and the pastor's birthday and the first lady's birthday and the kid's birthday and, and uh, so on and so on. So don't let, the, don't let these people take advantage of you. It's time to come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. So you hear a lot of these people talking about reformation. They want a reformation. Let's go. We're going to have a reformation. We're going to have a revival. Yet they won't reform at all. They won't reform. They won't change. And most of the people that you hear, like Paula White, she's always talking about a reformation. She doesn't, she's not even saved. She needs to get saved first. And when she gets born again, then maybe she can talk about a reformation because uh, there's no reformation going on with her life, that's for sure. And uh, the rest of the people that you hear, some of these well-known people that they talk about, we need a reformation in the church and and we're going to have a great end-time revival. Well, revive yourself first. Revive yourself first because if you can't, If you can't take the word of God and rightly divide the word of God, then you don't belong teaching the Bible. If you you don't even know what it says yourself, you should sit down and be quiet for a while and uh, spend some time studying before you go and deceive other people with your foolishness. Like we're going to hear today, these fools saying that Jesus was born again. Jesus. Jesus. It's outrageous. It's just, (laughs) I don't know where they get this stuff from, but did you ever hear people say, I hear, I hear people say these word of faith preachers, they like to say, you're the righteous, you're righteous. And when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. I'm like, what? is wrong with you when God looks at me he doesn't see my sin tell Ananias and Sapphira that tell them that why would I ever need to repent if God only saw me as righteous and he doesn't even see my sin I don't know maybe they try to cover up maybe it's like a cover up for themselves but such foolish foolishness. We all need God's mercy and his grace every day. Every day we have to ask God to give us grace and, and mercy. Have mercy on me, Lord, because we know. We know who we are. And if, if, if it comes to the point where we don't know who we are, then 
you know, God just may give you a little reminder of uh, who you are. But anyway, we're coming, we're into such a crazy days that we're here, we're in with the whole, everything that's going on with the political system. And it's so insane, the things that we're seeing, but I don't know what's going to happen. Only God knows what, what's going to happen after November 3rd. We don't know. And uh, it's all in God's hands. All we can do is pray at this point and see how things turn out. We just don't know. We don't know. And uh, anyway, I was I was looking to, uh, through some of the news sites on uh the internet, and I came across a story. I was pretty alarmed when I saw the story, let me tell you that. And one of the headlines here was, how cells taken from decades-old fetal tissue are used in COVID-19 drug research. So, of course, that sparked my interest. But And uh, President Trump himself has been touting this Cure, and I'll put it in quotes, from a company called Regeneron. And he received this treatment. So the story comes out that they were using. Okay, now here's the statement they have. I called the company this week, and I'll tell you in a minute what they told me. But it it says, in a statement to NBC News, Regeneron spokesperson Alexandra Bowie said that the company used cells from a cell line called HECT-293T. These cells date back to the 1970s and were originally taken from kidney cells in donated fetal tissue. Since then, the cells have become commonplace in research labs, thanks in part to the fact that they can replicate indefinitely, ensuring they never run out. Because of this, the cells are considered immortalized. HEC-293T wasn't used in any other way, and fetal tissue was not used in this research, Bowie said, we did not use human stem cells or human embryonic stem cells in the development of the antibody cocktail. All right, that's what the, that's what this woman told. Um, NBC. Okay, but this HEC, the HEC 293T cell originated from abortion. It originated from abortion. And so when I saw this story, I was very disturbed because I know that the president says that he's pro-life. And I'm wondering to myself, then why did he use this treatment when this company was testing now, only testing, 
using, possibly using aborted baby tissue, okay? So, I'm try- I was trying to find out and get to the bottom of the story, and there was an organization called, I think it's called the Charlotte Lozier Organization, and they're supposedly a pro-life group in Washington, and I called them because they put out a statement saying that President Trump did not use, the product that he used did not contain aborted they say fetal, but I don't like to say fetal. I like to say baby because that's what it is. But that they did not use aborted baby tissue in the treatment itself. And then when I'm reading the story, I'm seeing I'm seeing something that could be different. So anyway, I called Regeneron, the company, and they did call me back, which was very nice. The the uh, one of the ladies there called me back and I asked her, I said, are they using the aborted baby tissue in the testing when you're testing for this product, Regeneron? And she, she would neither confirm or deny the fact that they possibly were using the stem cell lines from abortion. And anyway, it that was very disturbing to me. I didn't know, and she, I, I, she told me that they get these cell lines from the government, from the National Institute of Health. Oh, well then, I I was really upset, let me tell you. I was so upset when I found that out because I had no idea that actually... <laughs> The government is participating in this? Oh, dear. So that's the story. But she did say that they did not use the, the cell lines or the tissue in the actual product itself only for the testing, which is gruesome enough, which I told, I told her. I said, I, it's it's gruesome. And before I hung up, I asked her, I said, well, I, I, I hope you re- will rethink what you're doing. Because to think of the fact that a lot of these drug companies and probably the vaccinations, if, if you want to do the research yourself, you can start researching and you will find out that most of the vaccines that are made today are made from these cell lines, from the aborted baby tissue. You'll see the, if you, and you can see the package inserts online, like so the, I think the shingles vaccine, there was even one flu vaccine that had it. I think the MMR, there's quite a few vaccines that are made from aborted baby uh, cell lines, and you'll you'll see on the package insert it's, it'll say human diploid, and that's that's one of the key words to look for. But you can research it yourself, and you can get a whole list of the vaccinations and the medicines that contain these cells. Now, 
it, it's hard to believe, isn't it? When you think about all the probably billions of dollars that have been spent on pro-life issues, and yet they're still allowing these cell lines from aborted babies to be used in the production of medicine and in the research and in the the testing. It's very, very hard to believe that this is going on. And so as I was checking into it, and you you can go yourself to the uh, National Institute of Health website and, and, uh, they say it there. They don't try to hide it. They say it right there that they're using the uh, tissue from abortion in their in research, and they are providing it to these drug companies. We're living in a crazy world. We're living in a crazy world. For me, if there's uh, if there's people out there that are um, using these products, I, I think these cell lines should be destroyed and they should never be allowed to use them. Never. It's hard to believe. Thank you. But I have some audio. I, I looked up the... Um, some of the videos that they they put out and and the thing is um, they had a whole panel of people doctors and professors and and uh, learned people and they're just they're talking about it like it's not really you know, like it's not really that big a deal for them to be using these cell lines but it is. It is a big deal. It is a big deal. What are we doing? What are we doing? It's hard to believe. But anyway, here's some of the audio so you can hear it for yourself. Thank you. I'm head of the Stem Cell Biology and Regenerative Medicine Institute at Stanford University. Uh, There are fields of discovery in therapy that only could have developed with human fetal tissue research. Human tissues and organs are complex arrays of precise organized cells from many different parts uh, of the developing body. No tissue culture research can substitute for them. Here are two examples from our own 35 years of research in this field. We transplanted the blood-forming and immune systems from fetal remains into immune-deficient mice. With these mice, we could identify, isolate, and eventually bring to human therapies the rare blood-forming stem cells that regenerate the blood-forming and immune system. We showed that isolated, pure blood-forming stem cells rescued women who have metastatic breast cancer after they had high-dose chemotherapy And now, 22 years later, we have found that we cured 33% of extended the median survival of others from two years to 10 years. These discoveries have also led to an understanding of human leukemias where we were able to develop an immunotherapy that is 
currently brought nearly all leukemia and myelodysplastic syndrome patients into remission to date, and also lymphoma patients who failed all of the therapies. Human disease viruses cause disease in the body. We showed HIV from AIDS patient caused AIDS in these mice, but HIV grown in tissue culture did not. It had lost the activity. This has been a standard test for new drugs and discoveries for over 30 years, but NIH funding was stopped. As Admiral Giroir stated in 2018, human fetal tissue research is the gold standard. Early work with human fetal lung added to these tissues allows infection with SARS virus and could lead to discoveries and therapies. I thought that the function of NIH was to advance biomedical discoveries to understand and treat human diseases, especially now when patients only have a short window of time in which they could be treated. Thank you. We have an untreatable epidemic called HIV. Those people who felt that you could study HIV by growing the virus in tissue culture gave us a virus. But when you put that virus into the human immune system in this mouse or in many mice, we found that the virus had lost its activity. So all of the efforts and all of the claims that tissue culture will give you the same accurate result falls by the wayside when you get to human organs. So I just wanted to say that we could find a way, and it has been up until the enforcement of the intramural ban, the method that people use to test drugs and therapies. So I worry that these kinds of research which follow all the legal guidelines of obtaining human fetal tissue in a not-for-profit setting from women who were informed that the fetal remains could be donated, but after they had decided or had the abortion. I am afraid that this will cut off a line of effort that we and our families and the next generation, when they have those moments that there is a cure or not a cure already there, that it has not arrived. So that's my motivation for this research, and I'm happy to say that we now have um, many tens at least of patients who have been treated successfully only because of this. Thank you for those extemporaneous comments. You keep your Frankenstein medicine, please. I would rather die than have to be treated with something that was made from abortion. It's disgusting. It's hard to believe. And they're asking the women, after the women have the abortion, they're asking them if they want to donate the remains. Oh, please. Church, we have our work cut out for us. We have our work cut out for us. And what is our work? Our work is to evangelize because how do you stop this kind of thing? You stop it by uh, telling people the good news of Jesus Christ. To get, these people need a heart change. You need a heart change. How heartless could you be to use the remains of a child that's been murdered for medicine? Oh, hard to believe. Here's another. This is the next three audios that I'm going to play is from this panel. 
that they had. And, and uh, there was a group of doctors and ethicists, as they, or as they say, they teach ethics. But, <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, here's part two. The Warren P. Knowles Professor of Bioethics and Law at the University of Wisconsin. I'm here to tell you something you already know, which is that science is not a partisan issue and neither is the use of fetal tissue in research. The 1970s National Commission for Protection of Human Subjects supported the work. So did the 1980s Fetal Tissue Transplantation Research Panel, which was led by a federal judge who himself was a personal opponent of abortion rights. Why? Because we routinely use tissues from people who have died, whether child or adult or baby, and whether they died from natural causes, accidents, or even criminal acts. It can be emotionally complex, but it does not make us complicit in those deaths, nor would using the remains from a fetus make us complicit in the underlying cause of its demise. Nor did any of these committees find any evidence that the use of this tissue encourages people to have abortions, and note that was before the current rules were put into place to prevent even that hypothetical possibility. In the 1990s, the Senate voted 85 to 12 to fund this research, a third of those votes coming from Republicans. The House passed the bill 260 to 148, again bipartisan, and it's precisely because one can support the research regardless of your views about abortion or abortion rights that Senator John McCain spoke in favor of it, Representative Fred Upton lobbied President George H.W. Bush in favor of it, and Senator Mitch McConnell voted to fund it. Almost every American has benefited from the use of this tissue in the form of vaccines for polio and chickenpox and rubella, and research toward curing blindness, cancer, as Irv Weissman was just saying. Scientists propose using it when it has distinct medical value. Throwing up barriers will only limit our hope for preventing and curing devastating diseases, and make innocent patients the collateral damage of our... Oh, it's hard to believe. (laughs) Can you believe what they're saying? This is a lady that teaches ethics. Oh, dear. God help Here's audio number three from another person on this panel. Another objection that I have heard is that uh, a woman who's chosen to have an abortion has now lost the moral authority to be the person who gives consent to have the remains used for research purposes. And while I appreciate the nature of that concern, I did want to point out that it is not unknown um, for us to do things like this. In many states in the U.S., corneas are taken from the bodies of people who've, been, who've wound up in the coroner's office, usually crime victims. They're taken without consent. And the reason is that the need for treatment of blindness had trumped any concern about the needs of the dead since they could no longer uh, experience the loss of the corneas and recognizing that even with open coffins and open casket weights, uh, this would not be something that was visible to the family. So. We, we have often had these difficult balancing acts and have chosen to favor the needs of the people who are currently living. Thank you, Ms. Sharon. It is good to see you again. Uh, I'm Tom Mariani. I'm professor and vice chair for research at, in the Department of Pediatrics at the Golisano Children's Hospital at the University of Rochester in the great state of New York. 
I'm here representing the American Thoracic Society today, which is a diverse group of over 16,000 clinicians and scientists that are dedicated to the prevention, treatment, and cure of pulmonary critical care and sleep-related illnesses. We as a group recognize the many past contributions to science and medicine made possible by incorporating the use of human fetal tissues into rational and ethical research projects. For one example, Studies with human fetal tissues were absolutely essential to define the mechanisms for the production of pulmonary surfactant, leading to new interventional strategies to combat the leading cause of death in preterm infants, an affliction that took the life of the child of a sitting president of the United States, John F. Kennedy. There are a number of additional benefits of using human fetal tissue, uh, not the least of which is that cell lines derived from human fetal tissues have widely been used and continue to be used as a major source resource for the development of vaccines, including those for respiratory viruses similar to SARS-CoV-2. It is important again to note that currently no alternatives can replace the use of human fetal tissues for many contemporary research applications, as Dr. Weissman mentioned. As just one example, a 2018 NIH workshop concluded that human fetal tissue-derived humanized immune system models such as the one Dr. Weissman mentioned, remains the gold standard to which other model systems should be compared. Finally, we would like to emphasize that thorough ethical review for all research projects using human, using human subjects and human fetal tissues are conducted at the local and regional level by institutional review boards following national guidelines. These boards have successfully served for decades to ensure that research is compliant with ethical standards and regulations, and have the authority to approve, disapprove, modify, and or monitor research projects. In conclusion, the ATS urges this board to refrain from imposing restrictions upon the use of human fetal tissues in research studies that are judged to be scientifically meritorious. Ethical considerations should continue to be evaluated at the local and regional level using the institutional review board process. On behalf of the ATS, I thank the board for this opportunity. I, I don't know what ethics they're talking about because it doesn't sound ethical at all. Now, this is not an old seminar. Apparently, it was. I think it was in July of 2020. And notice the one uh, woman that was talking. Can you imagine that your your loved one is at the coroner coroner's office and they're harvesting their parts and they're and they don't tell you that they're harvesting their parts? I didn't know that that they were able to do that. And she said, "Well, for instance, they they were taking people's corneas." And she says, "Well, even at the funeral home, the family doesn't even know that they did it." Oh. Dear Lord, you don't know what, what <laughs> you don't know what is happening to you after you die. You don't know what they're doing to you, what har what they're harvesting, and what they're doing uh, doing to you. And the thing is, you can't bury uh, your loved one on your own. You can't if if somebody dies at home, they the uh, coroner comes to your house and the sheriff comes to your house and and uh, they they have to do an investigation. But if somebody dies at the hospital, they don't. They rarely do an investigation to see why the person died at the hospital. But anyway, so uh, 
the fact that these things are going on and like I said, you can't maybe back in, in the olden days when somebody died, you could maybe bury your loved one on your property or whatever you wanted to do. And uh, you didn't have to worry about them harvesting their parts without you knowing it. But today you don't have a choice because you have to go through the funeral home and uh, go through the process. So anyway, the ghoulish. And I did mention that to the lady that I talked to at Regeneron. It's ghoulish. I, I don't know how much President Trump knows, but obviously he should know of what they're doing to produce the uh, vaccines and uh, what they did to pre- that, uh, what testing they were using to produce this product that he took, which they say that um, they told me that what they do is they take embryos from a Chinese hamster. (laughs) Embryos from a Chinese hamster, and then they do something with this tissue or whatever to make this product, Regeneron. I I don't want something in my body either from a Chinese hamster. And a genetically modified one at that. So even if if you look at some of the even some of the vaccinations have monkey parts. I don't want monkey parts in my body. Oh dear. I, I don't know if your if your jaw is hanging down like mine was when I was learning all these things because it really upset me, and I'm only a, a small fish in the pond. How can we get the information out there? We can do our part to try to educate people to make them aware of some of these things that are going on um, for their own sake, for their own sake. I'm sure there's other ways that they can develop medicines because all this research that they're doing, there's still so many diseases that they can't cure. They can't even cure the common cold. There's no cure. There's no cure for the flu. There's no cure for cancer or heart disease. There's no cure. So with all this research they're doing, they're not coming up with cures. So I guess something's not working. But here's the last audio in this series. Thank you. I'm James Shirley. I'm the director of the Biotechnology Stem Cell Company, Asymmetrics. Members of the committee, you have been called upon to review and judge the ethical conduct of research and development activities whose potential benefits are self-evident. There are few who argue against the position that generally biomedical research and pharmaceutical development are good and essential for the nation in the long term and in the short term. And even though often research subjects may not benefit directly, they receive the gratitude and acknowledgement for their altruism. The ethical considerations for the conduct of most research are straightforward with little controversy. Informed consent is required, safety is preeminent, and no undue injury or death of research subjects is acceptable. 
The challenge you now have is how to think about the same ethics principles for research activities in which the effective research subject is actively displaced from the research event, always in space and often in time. In the case of research that utilizes tissues and cells procured from electrically aborted human fetuses, the question of benefit to the research subject has an obvious answer. There is none. But given that the fetus's death is necessary, is a necessary event for the research, it is your ethical responsibility to make sure that that research does not cause the death. There are also strong ethical arguments against such research, even if it does not motivate Thank you for this opportunity. I'm a scientific consultant specializing in pharmaceutics, biochemistry, and biotechnology. I became a scientist to serve humanity, and this requires us to work in a way that preserves and promotes the dignity of each and every member of the human race without discrimination on the basis of age, ability, developmental stage, or level of dependence. Why should we be concerned about funding research using abortion-derived fetal tissue? One, history is repeating itself as we exploit one group of human beings for the benefit of another group. In cases of induced abortion, it is impossible to obtain valid informed consent from the fetus or from a guardian acting in the best interest of the fetus. Two, I am concerned for the mother considering an abortion, who is in a vulnerable position and asked to provide consent for fetal tissue donation by those who have a professional and sometimes a financial interest in obtaining her consent. Three, Certain abortion-derived materials have become so widespread throughout biomedical research that it's difficult to avoid them for researchers like me and patients who have conscientious objections. Four, a market exists for abortion-derived materials, which creates incentives, financial and otherwise, for greater cooperation between tissue procurement organizations and abortion providers. This advisory board can choose to be at the forefront of promoting non-controversial tissue and cell sources. Science has only scratched the surface of what is possible with induced pluripotent stem cells, organoids, perinatal cells from umbilical cord, placenta and amniotic fluid, and tissue from fetuses who have died of natural causes, to name just a few. Imagine what is possible if we commit to moving forward on this common ground. Thank you very much. Oh, there you go. It's very deeply disturbing that these things are going on. And uh, when you think that John McCain was pushing it, McConnell voted yes for the funding. Because I remember when, remember when uh, George W. Bush was elected, one of the first things that came to his attention, I think, I think it even happened in January when um, usually what when is the inauguration? January 20th or something like that. But anyway, I think it was like the first or second week of when he was in office and they were asking him about these stem cells. Were, were, uh, was he going to be allowed, was he going to allow people to uh, continue to experiment using these stem cells from aborted babies and so as much as he bragged about being pro-life he he told them that they could still use them I think they put some restrictions on them but here it is okay that's that's uh George W here we are in 2020 and they're still using them so 
I don't know. I guess you can call the White House and leave a message to find out why these uh, cell lines are still being used in research and why is the National Institute of Health providing these cell lines to labs to use? And uh, But these are questions that we should be asking. What, what about all the so-called Christian pro-life groups, some of them like the Family Research Council and uh, Focus on the Family, Right to Life? What are they doing? Why aren't they stopping this? So, anyway, if you want to, if you want to be uh, proactive on this and make some phone calls yourself or write some letters to try to find out, but like I said, according to the company Regeneron, they do not use these cell lines in the production of the medicine. It was only, they only used it for the testing to see how effective this medicine would be for something like the coronavirus. So, but that's bad enough that they're testing on these things. That's bad enough. So, uh, but a lot of the companies, I, I haven't done the research on the other companies that are developing these vaccines, but I will in the, in the weeks ahead, I will be looking into it a little bit more to uh, try to bring it to the attention of the White House. I don't know. Uh, I, for me, I don't see Roe v. Wade ever being overturned. Um, I just don't see it happening. Uh, I, unless they put uh, born-again, spirit-filled Christians on the Supreme Court that have a backbone and that will really stand up for life. But just because they put Catholics on there doesn't mean that they're, they're going to vote to overturn Roe v. Wade. So, and there's uh, quite a few Roman Catholics. I think um, John Roberts, I think he's a Catholic. And then you have Kavanaugh. And I'm not sure who the other one might be. But then you have this uh, new lady, Barrett. And so just because she's Catholic and, and maybe she's, put out some statements about abortion. That doesn't mean she's going to rule to overturn Roe v. Wade. If they haven't overturned it yet, I doubt seriously it'll ever be overturned. So it might be something that uh, goes back to the states, and, and some states have come um, down with some strong anti-abortion laws, and then they, they somebody challenges the law, and they take it to some court and and the judge may be a liberal and then they overturn the law. So they keep fighting back and forth. As soon as they try to put some of these restrictions in, you have the other side coming and trying to overturn it and trying to stop it. But again, the, the way you stop sin is to tell people the good news of Jesus Christ and who gives us ethics who only Jesus can give you ethics because you you see these people in the previous audios, most of them taught ethics or they were on some kind of an ethics committee or 
and they don't have any ethics. They don't have any ethics. You can, they can teach ethics all day long. I would love to sit in on some of those classes to see what, what ethics they're talking about. Because how could you have ethics and then you're using aborted baby tissue to develop medicines and to, and to uh, provide people with medicine? It's, it's an oxymoron. So um, how do we change things? We change things by changing people's hearts because you could have all the laws and I'm not opposed to laws, but in the book of Hebrews, it says that God writes his law on our heart. And so you know when you're born again that you have the Holy Spirit convicting you and telling you what's right and what's wrong because God wrote his laws on our heart. So but we have so we have uh, so many laws, and people, for the most part, don't keep the laws. They do whatever they want. They're rebellious, and they're going to do whatever they want to do. They don't care. Um, <laughs> you know, they don't care what you say. And the threat of jail doesn't even mean anything to them anymore. And uh, since this coronavirus outbreak they've been letting people out of jail they don't even they're not really in a big hurry to put people in jail anymore except if you're a political prisoner then they, they want to throw you in jail so uh and they want to take away cash bail so people are committing crimes and they don't there's no penalty they don't have to come up with bail there and if there is bail they have these groups that are being funded by wealthy people to pay the bail, which uh, the late that Lady Harris was promoting these groups to bail these criminals out of jail. So when you don't have any punishment or you don't have any fear of crime, then just the people would just go out and commit more crimes. And I was looking yesterday, I came across this website about the crimes in my county. I didn't know there was so much crime because this is a pretty nice county. And uh, there never used to be. I've I've been in this county uh, on and off for 40 years. But there never was a lot of crime. But, wow, so much crime. that I couldn't believe all the, the crime that I was seeing and murders and uh, people breaking into people's houses. There was one couple that they found out that a house was empty as far as the lady wasn't living there in the summer, which a lot of people do in Florida. They go up north for the summer because it's hot here. So they found out that the lady was in Pennsylvania and they moved into her house. And so if you don't have your neighbors looking out for you, I guess it took a while. It took a month or two. I think the lawn guy finally said that he called the lady that owned the house and told her that there's somebody living in her house. And um, he said he asked the people who they were, and they said that they were her, uh, the lady's grandson. So uh, when the lawn guy called the owner of the house, she said, well, I don't have a grandson. So who are these people? So anyway, they sent the sheriff over there and the people had a lease and they said, oh no, we have a lease with this lady. 
And so finally the, the sheriff was able to get to the bottom of it. But these people just went, they just moved into the house and started squatting. <laughs> and then they produce a lease. And uh, so the sheriff has to verify the lease. And, but times are crazy. Times are crazy. But it's another thing. Look out for your neighbors. Look out for your neighbors, and if you see anything funny going on in your neighborhood, don't hesitate to uh, call your sheriff, because here it was. These people were living in the house for six weeks, and most of the houses in this county, not all the houses, but most of the houses are pretty close by each other, so I'm sure people probably saw these people coming in and out, and they didn't think anything of it, but thank God the lawn guy he said, well, I know the la- the owner is away in Pennsylvania, so who are these people? But, you know, if you, th- if you see anything suspicious in your neighborhood, then you should report it or you should let your other neighbors know that uh, something funny is going on because, thank God, they found out. Could you imagine then, uh, you don't know what kind of damage these people did to this poor lady's house. This is an elderly lady what kind of drugs they were cooking in there. If you've ever been around people that are uh, making drugs, the stench is enough to uh, knock you out. So, dear God, we need all the help we can get. And if God doesn't help us, nobody is going to help us because we don't know what the future holds for us. We don't know what the future holds and only time will tell what's uh, going to happen. But our only hope and our only savior is Jesus Christ. So we can't look to people to uh, save us and look to people to do the right thing because most of the time they're not going to do it, especially if there's a financial motive involved in the whole thing. So um, as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and the body of Christ, we don't want to play politics, especially with the gospel. But like I said, if you feel like you should call your local representative or call the White House or uh, call some of these groups like Focus on the Family or the Family Research Council, find out how come uh, they are still allowing this research to be done on aborted baby tissue and why are they allowing coroners or uh, funeral homes or whatever to harvest people's tissue and organs without families consenting to it oh dear anyway it's 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 more than you could even think about really i just to think about it and to think that here we are in the year 2020 and we're supposed to be a civilized society and yet it's barbaric. It's a barbaric society, but that's the human nature without God and without being born again. So let's listen to Timothy. Chapter 4. 
I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus. The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee, and the books, but especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works, of whom be thou ware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus abode at Corinth, but Trophimus have I left at Miletum sick. Do thy diligence to come before winter. Eubulus greeteth thee, and Pudens, and Linus, and Claudia, and all the brethren. The Lord Jesus Christ be with thy spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. The end of the... Amen. Help us, Lord. <laughs> God help us. We need we need the Lord to help us just to get through these times. However long we have here on the earth, we have to try to make good use of our time and to do the Lord's work and to tell people the good news of Jesus Christ because how are they how are people going to get through these times? Especially if uh, if these things if these things are going on now, then when the Antichrist takes over, it's even going to be worse than this. So we need strength because we don't know what we're going to have to go through. We never probably thought <laughs> that we were going to go through this plague like we're going through. And who would have thought that uh, these things would have happened time uh, in our lives, right? 
We wouldn't think that it would happen. So I was I I had come across this video of this uh Pastor Chris and Pastor Chris is associated with Benny Hinn and they have this television network called the uh Love the Love Network <laughs> and it's like a 24-hour telethon but anyway Pastor Chris he comes with um this teaching about Jesus being born again. Oh, of course I've heard this before. I've heard this from uh, Benny Hinn, I think, or Kenneth Hagen, Kenneth Copeland. Now, you, you can ask yourself, of course, you ask yourself, why would Jesus need to be born again? Why would Jesus need to be born again? Where do they get this stuff from? Now, here's Kenneth Copeland. You ever think about that? Go back to Adam. Adam, exactly like God. An exact copy of God. Adam and Jesus look exactly alike. I want you to get that. Don't forget that. But the father said, the day you eat of that, you shall surely die. He wasn't talking about physically. He's talking about spiritual death. Now, what is spiritual death? Spiritual death is to be separated from God, who is the source of spiritual life. Now, the Bible talks about spiritual death all the way through unless it is speaking specifically about the physical body, when, like Jesus said, Lazarus is dead. Amen. He's talking about his body. Otherwise, it's talking about spiritual death. And when Jesus made himself obedient unto death, he by faith separated himself from God and by faith received death so he had to die spiritually and he had to be separated from God in order to get this oh those of you that never heard this before oh get it get it it's the best thing you ever heard in all your life so that in the pit of hell Suffering for Adam's high treason. He was, the scripture said in the first chapter of the book of Hebrews, and again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world. There he was suffering, separated from God's spirit, soul, and body. But right in the middle of that, when God's word, God's word went into the pit of hell, and he was reconnected, he was Born again. If he hadn't been. <laughs> oh, Jesus had to go down to hell. And he said that, that the devil was on his back and they were beating Jesus up. And uh, But Jesus had to be born again. Yeah, Jesus, and he says that Adam and Jesus. 
Adam and Jesus looked exactly alike. Yeah, Adam and Jesus. Yeah. Uh, now, here's a guy that, Kenneth Copeland. Kenneth Copeland, is, he's one of the most famous so-called Bible teachers in the world. And he doesn't know the Bible. He doesn't know the Bible. No, it's like physician heal thyself. How much time has this guy actually spent reading the Bible? Because he doesn't know it to come with some kind of ridiculous teaching like that. Anyway, here's Pastor Chris. I don't know how to say his name. It's it's uh, his last name. But Pastor Chris, and he has the Love Network, and I get it on my satellite channel. Uh, twenty, It's like 24 hours a day. And I think Benny Hinn is a partner to this network. But anyway, here's Pastor, Pastor, I put it in quotes, quote, Pastor Chris. Real punishment declared free, not guilty. Don't you understand? Not guilty. Time. 
through the resurrection the second time. He was born. Woman being defeated all of hell. All of it. Yeah, no kidding. He defeated all of hell. No kidding. He didn't have to go to hell to defeat all of hell. Oh, dear. Uh, there's millions of people that believe these guys. You know? but they have some kind of a weird Jesus. They have some kind of a weird Jesus. Here's Bill Johnson from Bethel. Here's his take. I don't know, did you know that Jesus was born again? I asked the first, first service, and he said no. Acts 13 tells us that that phrase from the Father, today I have begotten you, is in reference to the resurrection. So he was born through Mary, the virgin, and then he was born again in resurrection. The first one to touch him was Mary, the virgin, when he was born naturally. The first person to touch him when he was born again was Mary Magdalene. The Virgin Mary touched him in the law, and Mary Magdalene, the harlot, touched him in grace. Oh, (laughs) Oh dear. Who are these people? Like who, who, they, it's like the Bible says, they've crept in unawares. For the most part, I guess the, the, the church or the so-called church wasn't paying much attention to what was happening, how the church was being infiltrated by these false teachers and, and this false doctrine. And we've done a few shows on the ecumenical movement. So you could see now there's a real big push for these people to come together in unity. And of course, yes, yes, the Bible says how good and pleasant it is for uh, brethren to dwell together in unity, but we unify according to the faith. We don't unify with heresy and we don't unify with heretics. No, we separate ourselves from uh, people that teach false doctrine. When you, when, uh, I was doing some research recently on uh, William Branham and he was so messed up that he actually preached for Jim Jones at one point at one of his churches. So figure that one out. But that's what happens when people don't do their homework or they don't find out, okay, you can receive an invitation to go someplace and uh, you don't take the time. These people don't take the time to find out, who they're going to, uh, what church they're going to, and what the church believes. And so then, especially new Christians, when you think of new Christians and they're just learning the things of God. Now me, I've I've been saved uh, just about 40 years, so I have a little bit of experience. And uh, I'm not so easily misled but of course when you're a new christian you can be misled i was misled into the word of faith movement in my uh first years so 
you you have to really feel for new Christians because they're trying to figure out what's going on and the people in leadership are leading them astray and they're not guiding them. They're basically, a lot of these people are lying to them about we're supposed to come together and we're supposed to unify and we're all supposed to love each other. No, we don't love heretics. The Bible says a heretic after the first and second admonition rejects. So we're supposed to reject heresy, not cuddle up to it. But anyway, here's Joyce Meyer. Has helped himself up until the point where he said, I commend my spirit into your hands. At that point, he couldn't do nothing for himself anymore. He had become sin. He was no longer the son of God. He was sin. The human sacrifice was accepted. Jesus was the first human being that was ever born again. Now, it was sealed. I mean, it happened when he was in hell. The biggest party that's ever been had. They had my Jesus in the floor, and they were standing on his back, jumping up and down, laughing. And he had become sin. Don't you think that God was pacing, wanting to put a stop to what was going on? All the hosts of hell were up on him. Up on him. Up on him. The angels are in agony. All the creation is groaning. All the host of hell was upon him. Up on him. They got on him. They got him down in the floor and got on him. And they were laughing and mocking. Ah, ha, 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 ha. You trusted God and look where you ended up. You thought he'd save you and get you off that cross. He didn't. Ha, ha, ha. Now, of course, you don't hear her talking like that now, but (laughs) I'm sure she probably would like to destroy those audios that are out there with her teaching this. It's probably what she still believes, but you don't hear her uh, saying these things now. But, of course, she is a word of faith teacher, and she probably still believes these things. But, oh, dear God, help us. We need all the help we can get, and we have to stay strong, brothers and sisters, in the Lord and in the power of his might. We have to stay strong in the word of God because it's so easy to be misled. And no matter what, no matter if your friends reject you, if your family rejects you or whatever, you just have to stand strong for Jesus because if we don't stay in the word and we don't stand on the word, we are going to be deceived in these end times because it's so easy to be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine and to uh, people want to be accepted. Who likes rejection? Nobody really likes it. But if it means we have to be rejected, then so what? The main thing is the gospel. And the main thing is to share the good news of the gospel to those that don't know And we are responsible ourselves for knowing the word of God, for studying the word of God, and so that we can help people along the way. There's so many people that uh, they, I guess, there's people, of course, there's people that are suffering. There's people that have lost their jobs, and there's certain states where they're still in lockdowns. They can't operate their businesses. They can't go to school. They can't have any kind of a normal life. And I'm sure that uh, people are depressed and they're hurting and they're looking for answers. So we have the answer for them. 
and we have hope for them and we have peace for them and we have joy for them. And it only comes because of the Lord Jesus Christ and because of what he's done for us. So that's our program for today. I think Jackie's going to be with me next week. And we're going to, we're going to talk about uh, the occult um, infiltration into the church. And there is a big push of the occult in the church. And it's awful to say, really, it, and it's awful to think about, but uh, Jesus said it, that it was an adulterous generation that went uh, running after a sign and a wonder. But we see that so much today where people are looking for signs. They have to have a sign and they have to have a wonder, otherwise they won't believe. And they have to see an angel and they have to hear a voice. And uh, there's only one voice that we want to hear, and that's uh, that still small voice that we hear was the Lord speaking to us, and he speaks to us through his word. Most importantly, um, he speaks to us through his word. So stay strong and don't be deceived by every wind of doctrine. But the most important thing today is, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you asked him to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins? Jesus said that you must be born again. First, you're born of your mother, and then you must be born again of the Spirit of God. And I don't care what anybody says. I know what Jesus did for me. I know what happened to me when I got down on my knees in a little motel room in Redstone, Colorado, and I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins and to be my Lord and Savior, and he changed my life forever, changed, forever. So nobody can tell me that being born again is not real, and nobody can tell me that people can't be saved by just simply saying a prayer and asking for forgiveness, because you can't tell me that that doesn't happen or that doesn't work. Yes. Salvation is simple. And you can know for sure today that you have eternal life. God bless you. See you next week. Bye, everybody. Mm-hmm.